sure that uh, that program doesn't contain controversial subjects and uh, you're not impolite to people. Oh, definitely not, Dad. You know me. I'm never, <laughs> ever controversial or yeah, impolite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Welcome to Conversations with your lovable, never pisses anyone off, never been banned from Facebook or YouTube, never been sabotaged or censored for politely expressing a difference of opinion, ex-Muslim host Ina, keeping it non-controversial. Welcome to Panel Discussion 6. Today, I will be speaking with the excellent podcasters from the legal podcast Opening Arguments, Thomas Smith, the nobody, as he told me to call him, mm-hmm. and, Andrew Tor- <laughs> and Andrew Torres, the lawyer. So you can follow Opening Arguments on Twitter at OpenArgs. Hey, guys. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having us on the show. I know. We both have a cold, but I, I it's not electronically transmitted. It's just a coincidence. So don't worry, Ina. You're not going <laughs> to... If know. I catch a cold after this, guys, on my next episode, I'm going to call you guys out. Yeah. Lying. Yeah. <laughs> At least some Dustin Hoffman breakout stuff happened. Outbreak stuff uh, going on. That's typical, movie reference. typical regressive leftist trying to silence my free speech by giving me a cold... <laughs> I just want a recording of Thomas saying, you can't catch it that way. (laughs) (laughs) I'll edit that out for you specifically, and you can like run a clip on your show or something. (laughs) Um, Okay, so today we'll be talking about free speech. I think this is like my third panel episode about free speech. I've tried to tackle it from different angles, like I covered the old... Old news, Milo banned from Twitter with Eli Bosnick, and then I covered an Australian hate speech law. And now today, I think it's a good time to discuss this really absurd idea that uh, keeps getting floated around that the right is all about free speech and somehow SJWs are a comparable threat to Trump and we should worry about them, if not more, then at least equally. So, I mean, I might be wrong, but I'm not a lawyer. So, Andrew, maybe I was hoping you could help clarify some of that. Yeah, I I hear a lot of stupid arguments on my show. Like we did an entire episode about the gold fringe on the flag, people who think you don't have to pay your taxes if you put a colon in the middle of your name and stuff like that. This is among the stupidest arguments I've ever heard, right? Like there is absolutely no ground whatsoever to say that uh, the uh, conservative right in this country are the champions of free speech or the First Amendment. Uh, They're two separate things. Uh, Or in which uh, country is, is that? Under serious assault. Just for clarity. <laughs> oh, that yeah. country. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you guys don't even have amendments, do you? <laughs> we yeah, don't have Trump we have so either. We, yeah, we, yeah. we have, yeah. You can, you can all right, Shut you up. win. You, you just pulled out the nuclear option. You win any argument, Canada, U.S. <laughs> argument with the Trump thing. We get it. All right. Fine. Okay, yeah, so continue. Yeah, but you have, you have SB 16, though, so which is, of course, the worst oh, thing. It's ending the world, Canada. yeah. <laughs> Which one is that? oh Bill C sixteen? Yes, C sixteen. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that's a whole other. Yeah, no, I didn't mean to derail us, but that boy, the uh, the misinformation well, about part of it actually. I mean, that's that's a big part of this conversation, I would say, because these people always use the same two examples because there just aren't many examples. So they, I mean, maybe there's five or something, but it's it's always C sixteen, C sixteen. 
And someone had tweeted that at me so many times. I was like, all right, fine, let's just look this up. And it's like, oh, this is obviously uh, nonsense. It's not being represented properly. And that was that was the end of that. So that was that's the end of that story. No, we can get into it. Yeah, there's another one too. There's a, like an anti-Islamophobia motion that that's passed or something, and the right wingers are um, misrepresenting it as a blasphemy law when it it has been clarified repeatedly that it doesn't really have an impact on the law. It's just about denial. Like, of course, I'm against the phrasing of it as anti-Islamophobia because I just think that term, you know, complicates everything. So if it was like anti, anti-Muslim bigotry, then that would be better. Like if you just phrase it differently. So you're clearly saying that you're against anti-Muslim bigotry, but criticism of Islam shouldn't get conflated with that. But it's certainly not a blasphemy law. I think Canada actually has its own blasphemy law on the books from God knows when, but I don't think that's been used in ages. But anyways, again, that's another tangent. So Yeah, well, that's that's one we haven't... I haven't gotten that one thrown at me yet, so I haven't heard (laughs) the details of that. So we'll have to to check that one out. Yeah, so so let's talk about free speech in the U.S. right now and the right wing. And maybe you can, Andrew, can clarify... The difference between free speech concepts and the first and violating the First Amendment, which I think a lot of people get confused. Yeah. Um, so uh, in in the U.S., our First Amendment says Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, as a result of uh, passage of the Fourteenth Amendment, even though it says Congress, that's been incorporated out to the states. So basically, what it means is that the government can't infringe on free speech. So the First Amendment only comes into play when you have uh, a governmental or quasi-governmental actor. In my mind, like that's philosophically distinct from the question of freedom of speech as a philosophy. And like, I, it, for example, I think it's fair to say that in the United States we have a more robust concept of uh, freedom of speech sort of entrenched into our nation's history than you see in uh, in Canada or in Europe where um, there, there have been, you know, there, there isn't an equivalent to the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, the, there are legitimate questions to be asked on questions like hate speech, for example. In the United States, hate speech is defined really, really narrowly, right? It has to be uh, imminent incitement to likely lawless action, right? So, in other words, you're leading a lynch mob, uh, and that lynch mob is about to attack somebody, right? Like, that's where we get into you know, hate speech, but something that is kind of a, a classical definition of hate speech, right? For example, Murray and Hernstein publishing the bell curve and arguing in print that, you know, African-Americans have uh, inherently lower IQ as a result of selective breeding, right? Like that, that it's hard to imagine a more hateful claim than that. Um, but, well, but, but, but I would, I would defend Murray and Hernstein's <clears throat> right to publish that, right? Like sure. it, it's, you know, so but people will uh, throw back at you that you know Murray's been misrepresented. That's not really what he was saying, and just the usual stuff like no, about I mean, race I've read and IQ. Curve, so you know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're old enough to have read it and know it, and so he wasn't really that misrepresented. You're saying I haven't read it, so. No, I mean, like, look, it, it, the reason it's called the bell curve, right, right? Like that's right, right. a normal distribution. And, and like, what is he saying is normally distributed? IQ scores. What is he saying is statistically significantly shifted to the left, i.e. below the norm? 
IQ scores for African Americans, right? So I mean, you know, so it, this, this conversation is not... <laughs> has been renewed. There's yeah. a renewed interest in this right now, and it's pretty big. Like I did like a Twitter poll on this about whether there's any value to kind of investigating minor genetic differences in IQ. And I got so much nasty stuff in the comments, which I, of course, expected. I mean, the question is such. Some guy was just like, well, why are you loading the question by saying that the genetic differences in IQ would be minor? You know, he's like, dude, but there's obviously not major differences. I think we're what? We're 90% similar to like mushrooms or some crap. It's it's amazing. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) Similar genetics are. Yeah, so I think it's like ninety-eight or ninety-nine percent. So, but 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 this actually upset someone that I said minor differences, and they're like, "Well, this is valuable information because what if we learn that uh, we can't have an egalitarian, diverse society? That'd be so valuable to know. Really, why? What if we learn that Scandinavia's success is owed to its homogeneity of race?" You know, what, what, <laughs> what? So you have racists tweeting at you is what you're saying. <laughs> um, you call them that and you're labeled yeah. a regressive and, oh my gosh, right. you're taking my tweets out of context to make it look like I'm racist. Not like anyone can just click on the link and look at your tweets in context. Um, but no, these are not like outside fringe crazies. These are popular people among the skeptic community. Now, I'm not going to name and shame, but these are pretty normalized, accepted people. Like, ha ha, you know, they call out the regressives, but they also call out the absolute alt-right, you know? So, okay, so if you make fun of um, Nazis, say, or, you know, buffoon racists, because they're embarrassing, then you're obviously not one yourself. This is another kind of racism where you prefer like the intellectualized racism, I think, but not you're embarrassed of people like uh, Trump and Pepe's, so you're happy to call them out. So, I mean, two things, right? First, with respect to doing the research, again, you know, I've take I've taken a, a pretty uh, pro uh, free speech, pro First Amendment position on the show. I'm going to continue it, right? Like, I think scientific research is valuable in and of itself, and I think asking philosophical Philosophical questions uh, is something that we should encourage as much as possible. So, um, yeah, if you want to research the minor genetic differences among uh, population groups, uh, have at it. Right? Like, I, I I don't object to the research. Well, there's different. I don't object to publishing the research. I object to publishing the research, claiming that it has importance for for social science, and then getting offended when people call you a racist when you want to make distinctions on people on the basis of race. But Anyway. Right, right, exactly. So yeah, so go for it, but then at least acknowledge what what what's happening here, right? I think Yeah, I mean if you say like I mean you gave an example of a tweet that you got that said this would have impacts on whether we can have an egalitarian society. Like fine, ask that question. If your answer is, you know, no or maybe, then um don't be offended when people say, "Well, gosh, it it sure seems like you're an anti-egalitarian." Like um that's the definition of what you just said. Right. So, I mean, I think that's what underlies most of this, um, you know, sort of garbage arguments in our community about free speech is not are not arguments about free speech, but are arguments about how that speech is received. And, And when you look at like virtually all of the complaints on the, you know, 
those who are trying to call out the, quote, regressive left, virtually all of their examples are examples where people uh, were legally uh, and socially permitted to engage in speech, and the net result was they were made fun of or protested against or mocked or uh, disinvited and deplatformed or whatever. And, and like all, all of those are sort of rational, free market social consequences to what you said. The, the redefinition of speech into it means the majority gets to say what they want, uh, and when other people complain about it, they are crying little precious snowflakes. Like, I, they, I don't know. that I, I don't get it. The irony of calling people snowflakes when you're the one that can't take criticism also is... <laughs> it's palpable, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, and as it, everyone's pointed out, I mean, there's no bigger snowflake than Trump. I mean, he is the most petulant child. And it's so funny that that's the great hero of this like alt-right anti-snowflake movement. I mean, he's he's the most sensitive little toddler that there ever has been. It's it's a joke. Some some things I was thinking as you were saying that, I mean, there I think there's there's a number of different groups going on at once. I think that there's a, 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 there could be kind of a naive when, when we talk about this free speech sort of movement, this anti-regressive left thing. There's a naive group that I don't necessarily blame as much because they're people who are essentially they're 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 victims of a very powerful victim mythology. Because like if you if you make a case that people are taking away your first amendment free speech rights or or anybody's, it's a really powerful claim. And and like look at Every side has some sort of victim mentality. I mean, think, there are no bigger victims than Christians in the U.S. I mean, they think <laughs> they are persecuted. And, and this persecution complex is a strong thing. I think it really motivates people. And so there's people who see these cherry-picked stories about protests or about college, you know, college is not letting someone speak, whatever. And they're, they're prone to, to that attack. They're sort of vulnerable because they value free speech, which they should. They absolutely should. So they value free speech, and then they're victims of sort of that misrepresentation campaign, like blowing things out of proportion and, and falling into the storyline. But there's there's like another side to it, though, which is there are a lot of racists and people who probably don't think they're racist but harbor a lot of racist mm-hmm. views, like you know most of Trump supporters, the deplorables. Um, <laughs> and what goes on there is really frustrating because people like Milo, despite the fact that you know, he technically doesn't usually say like outright that he's you know things that are racist. They make horrible claims, and 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 uh, there's, there's he said some pretty questionable things like about exactly. Asians having bad exactly. eyesight or not being able to I drive. Totally agree. But what he does that whatever you don't like is a joke, and that's what his followers do too. Like if you if you try to call him on anything, or to to one of his to you know sycophants. They just will say, well, I don't agree with all of it. I just think he should have a voice. Like, we shouldn't silence him. And it's like, well, tell me what you don't agree with. It's, it's, they do this little, uh, like, shell game of, I want him to be speaking. Like, I want him to have a platform, but I don't, you know, I don't agree with everything. And then if you call something specifically out, well, what about when he said this horrible yeah, thing? What yeah. about when he made fun of a trans student in front of, in front of like, a classroom of, of the, the the trans students, uh, you know, uh, fellow students, the, it's like, well, you know, I don't offend everything. I don't defend everything he does, but he should have. A voice. And it's this dog whistling, this way of like 
still having these views being expressed without explicitly embracing the horrible crap he's saying. And the, these groups are enabling one another. You know, they're, they're allowing this to happen. And, they, and frankly, they allowed Trump to happen in, in a similar way. Well, I, I mean, I think you give them more credit. Like the people who enable, who actively defend Milo. There's, there's the people who are just like, okay, he should be allowed to speak, which is fine. I agree with that. Uh, he shouldn't be shouted down and whatever, unless he breaks some rules like targeting individuals and, and yeah. harassing them, whatever. But yeah, once he did that, he no longer should be, you know, I mean, I mean, campuses should take yeah. pains to make sure he can't speak on campus. For the most part, I I am usually on the side of don't talk, don't shout down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but but once you get to the point of putting a photo up of a trans student, right. and he tries to do this thing where he's like, well, it wasn't a student at the time. He's, right, he's right, lying right, right. She was a student. She had. had, had it, there's no point going into it. I, yeah, I did she, it on my show. If she had taken well, like a semester off or whatever the technicality well, was. this was When you look at the date, it was still in the first semester of the year uh, when he gave the talk. Later, she, she went public in saying she had stopped going to classes at that time, but she didn't transfer out until after the semester. And now he's used that to say she she wasn't a student. But it doesn't not, even matter. It's not though. as though he yeah. could have known she wasn't going to classes at the time. That's absurd. Yeah. And he put up a photo of a student, a trans student, made fun of her appearance in front of, uh, you know, jeering students. I mean, that kind of behavior is that's over the line for me for a college. That well, to me, absolutely. If that's you're when inviting... a university, a future university, needs to step in and say, no, this is this is somebody who has a, a history of targeting yeah, a yeah. student. And humiliating them. That, that can't stand. Yeah, if but you're targeting individuals, that, you right, cannot be invited as a respectable speaker. Views. Yeah, exactly. If you're somebody with questionable views, I actually would fall sometimes on the kind of, I hate to say it, but more on the Ruben side of things. Like Ugh, when Why do you have to use it like example, that? I know. Like, just I don't, say the other terminology. side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've tried to find the terminology for this. I don't know what it is. And, and Ruben's probably the biggest... I mean, no. he has a, a, a bajillion followers now. No, you know what? That's so wrong because Ruben is just the flip side of the people who don't want the opposing views being heard. He, he, he gets outraged at like Super Bowl ads for fuck's sake. Like he's not, he just likes people on the right with the nastiest views having platforms, but he certainly won't care to, uh, you know, be a warrior for the crazies on the left doing that. Uh, he's most concerned about college SJW shouting people down or whatever. Yeah. Um, but just to finish the the thought, sorry, real quick, um, because I did a whole episode on Jordan B. Peterson and how I think it, he's he's just a when it comes to the law, he's completely misrepresenting mm. it. He's he's profiting off of it, he, and and people refuse to allow me to call him transphobic, despite the fact that <laughs> th- that's where the paranoia over this comes from. I mean. Really, he said that a literal quote was, you can be uh, arrested and, and prosecuted under hate speech law for criticizing someone's choice of fashion, which is a complete misrepresentation of this law. It's not even close to that. He's completely wrong. And you have to ask, like, where does that kind of paranoia, that paranoid delusion about jackbooted thugs arresting you, like, where does that come from? But anyway, there was a video where he was speaking in some sort of classroom uh, and people were just shouting him the entire time and like making noise. And, yeah, I and, saw that. Uh, yeah, it's the bullhorns and stuff. And, and like that, I actually, I, I don't support that. No. I think that you should protest 
outside or whatever, but same as what happened with Miriam Namazi. Yeah, yeah. Back at Goldsmiths. Yeah. I don't support actively stopping a group from being able to hear somebody provided they haven't gone full Milo and targeted a specific student. Right, and I don't think Jordan Peterson ever has done such a thing. He's very careful in how he speaks. Uh, I mean, he's a respectable uh, professor that doesn't single people out and attack them or whatever. He does have very weird, uh, disturbing views, which I don't agree with at all, but the way that they were shouting him down in that video was so wrong, and it just makes the people opposing him look bad. So there has to be a better way to to counter him. And that's with, uh, you know, better arguments, better, you know, calm, cool-headed discussions with people like him. You can't just, like, silence him. Yeah, it, I, I mean, I think there are, I think it's important to differentiate between the concept of academic freedom, which is the idea that on a college campus, in a classroom and in student organizations, you should have broad access to as as many uh, differing viewpoints as possible, right? So like I would be, a, so on the one hand, right, that's, uh, that's one set of concepts. And then um, ceremonial, uh, Events, right, where a speaker is there and is representing the university, right, like a commencement address or something like that, right? And um, so, for example, I think every school in the country ought to feel free uh, to to bring on, like, you know, Ken Ham or creationists or whatever in, you know, have have, have yeah. their student organizations bring them on because people should get people should see that, right? But and not as see. truth, though, right? Right, right, like right. Well, can't. that's what I'm saying, right? That's well, the differentiation, I mean, it, right? It, but but it's for, a campus group. He can yeah. present it as truth. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, an opinion. It. That's exactly right. Bring it mm. in, and like he's not going into the curriculum. That's the yeah. point. They're not. These people aren't inviting him to biology classes. To yeah, teach. yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, they're they're campus groups that like little yeah. hobby groups, like the like the Goldsmiths example with Miriam Namazi. That yeah. was a campus secular group. It's not as though everything Miriam Namazi says is like the God's honest going to be a, a documented scientific fact. That's just not how things work. Like, right. she's probably going to be wrong about some things. On a university, that doesn't mean we're poisoning people's minds. It's but just, I don't know about yeah. Ken Ham going into a university and saying, "Well, creationism is the truth." It just, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess he's yeah, well yeah. within his rights. But it just seems very odd to me that a university would invite him on and not leave him unchallenged uh, to like talk to students about. Creationism. Well, but that's but that's the second half of, of what you've left out that I, I wouldn't, right? Which is to say, if I were a university and I had a group that brought in Ken Ham, I would make sure I brought in somebody else who is an evolutionary biologist uh, to come in and say, he, you know, you just heard, if you went to the show, you just heard an hour's worth of goddamn nonsense. And like, you know, here's why that is. Um, and that's, to, to me, that's the sort of give and take. I, I, I didn't, I'd never heard of creationism uh, until I took a... Um, I took a geology class uh, in college because I was not a hard science major, um, and uh, and and we had like a week in which the professor was explaining how you know various aspects of of geology you know d- proved that the Earth was you know four four point three billion years old, and I, I went up to him afterwards and I was like, why why are you doing this? And he was like. <laughs> Well, you know, there's a, there are a group of people that think the Earth is six thousand years old, and I'm like, oh, come on, right? Like, it, it it would have been interesting, right? In the context of that, in the context of 
uh, the purpose of, of an educational institution. Yeah, Andrew, of, I, you know. I hate to say it, but you're really showing your age because that <laughs> you know the Earth is 4.5 billion years old, so this must have been 200 uh, yeah. million years ago. 200 that you had this million years ago. So yeah, you're right. 200 million in like 40. Is that right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in in the late Cretaceous, when I was taking my uh, 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 yeah, you know, it would have been really helpful to. You know, but even 200 million years ago, they knew the Earth wasn't 6,000 years correct, old. Correct. That's yeah, good. That's exactly. good. Um, and and so, but but I would strongly disagree if a university wanted to have Ken Ham deliver their commencement address, right? Like, no. When it when it has the imprimatur well, of the interesting. But then so you're violating freedom of speech. There you go. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, and I mean, that's, that's interesting I, because there have been questionable commencement speak. So you would make a distinction there, Andrew, between like, because it's the full like the actual university and not just a campus group who's doing it. Yeah, like, and and I think they're, right, the, again, this is a private, we're talking about in the private school context, so the First Amendment doesn't apply. But right. these are the sort of the concerns that I would put out there as part of a balancing test, right? So number one would be um, whether it, bears, you know, the apparent sponsorship of the university as a whole, uh, or whether it's clearly sponsored by a university group, right? The second would be whether students feel uh, compelled to attend or, uh, you know, feel free to skip it if it's, you know, potentially disturbing or whatever. Um, and, and, and then the third would be uh, whether there are um, sufficient activities that are made to ensure that there's a dialogue taking place, right? That there are speakers with uh, contrary views that are being invited. And like, to, to me, that's, you know, that's sort of the solution to all of that. Um, and it, it helps you differentiate in the problem between, right? Like the problem with bringing Ken Ham into your graduation address is everybody goes to graduation. It's the university's uh, seal of approval with this guy. And he's, you know, horrendously offensive and stupid and there's no debate taking place. Right, but but I, haven't people like tried to stop uh, Bill Maher and uh, Ayan Hirsi on the same kind of basis? Like, wasn't it like the university's commencement speech? Or I don't know if uh, Ayan was. I know I think Bill Maher might have been, but but they usually. I mean, which is weird because they have comedians do these things. You know, like you can Sarah Silverman or something like. They'll do commencement addresses because they're funny and they're yeah. They they're had the Borat guy as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so that's why I was curious about Andrew's take on this. Because yeah, and I would, and, and I think like if you wanted to say right, I I I don't know that this is the case, but if if you wanted to compile arguments that say you know, um, we're, we're applying a different standard to, uh, liberal commencement speakers than we are to conservative commencements. Like I'd listen to that argument. I, I would tell you that that's not remotely what these people are talking about. Right. And it, and it doesn't begin to approach the real problem, right. Which is, um, uh, oddly, you never hear, you know, Milo or Dave Rubin, uh, criticize, you know, Liberty university, which, you know, has a code that forbids anti-Christian media on campus. Uh, <laughs> and, and the specific guidelines say, obviously, and, and, and this is as near a quote as I can get off the top of my head, right. NC-17 movies and games that are rated A for adults are prohibited, uh, but uh, your resident uh, hall, uh, your RA in your in your residence hall may also discipline students for having R or PG-13 rated movies or video games rated uh, MA or whatever the next step down is. And like, I looked that up and we're talking about screening 
you know, Star Wars, The Force Awakens or Titanic, because there's the one scene with the booby. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and like, that's actually how lawyers officially, I, yeah. you know, for, for listeners, Andrew went to Harvard yeah. Law. Like that's the official way a Harvard Law lawyer <laughs> talks about that is the one scene with the booby. Just so, yeah. just so just everybody's clear. Just a single clear. booby. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, I, th- I know. thought there were both. Well, we'll have to examine it. We'll have to go back and look at the evidence. There may but, be I th- but also, but Andrew, on the question. So I thought one was hidden. Anyway, question. Uh, I thought that free speech was liberal values. Like free speech were now becoming conservative values. <laughs> I was told you have. A, I, I mean, that is that you cannot find a campus right on the left that is the equivalent of Liberty University. You can't. Yeah. It is. It is as big a protective little precious snowflake bubble as you will possibly imagine. There, every speaker at Liberty University has to be vetted. Every professor has to sign on to a statement of beliefs that is not just I believe in Jesus or whatever, but is uh, I disbelieve in evolution. I believe that the earth is 6,000 years old. Uh, I believe in the inerrancy of the Bible. That is the the hardcore uh, hard right Christian conservative uh, uh, evangelical approach, and 100% of their speakers are uh, are vetted by that same committee. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, your professor can lose his job if, in class, you ask, "Hey, um, isn't doesn't this piece of evidence suggest that the Earth is actually 4.5 billion years old?" And if the professor says, "Uh, well," like that professor can be disciplined and fired if he doesn't say, "Absolutely not," for Scripture teaches us. Blah, blah. <laughs> like, how can you possibly have a more uh, indoctrinating? anti-free speech insulated environment than one in which you are literally only permitted one kind of thought. Uh, And yet somehow, you know, Dave Rubin goes on Alex Jones to complain about the left and the mainstream media. (laughs) That is the, 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 the degree to which that is ridiculous cannot, cannot be overstated. What do you know? You're just a Harvard lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he has technical law babble like the scene with the booby. <laughs> That's how you know. <laughs> he knows his stuff. Look, I mean, this is what baffles me about these, you know, these counterparts of social justice warriors that are like these free speech warriors that, you know, take the concept of free speech and extend it into everything. You can't block them. You can't, you know, curate your own Facebook page because you're, you know, you're supposed to just stand there and listen to them screech hate at you uh, and otherwise you're violating their free speech. Milo can, you know, spread false uh, rumors and say God knows what to whoever, but he cannot be taken off of Twitter because, oh, look, there are some other accounts that said horrible things, so you need to leave Milo on as well. Like, who are these people that are constantly searching for loopholes for people like Milo to be able to spread his hate? Like, I get it. It's just, it's not He's not legally being. It's so frustrating. Oh. Yeah, you know, just this is sorry, probably apropos of nothing, but just going back to Milo's racism. You know how hard it occurred to me the other day. You know how hard he hit Leslie Jones for typoing some tweets yeah, yeah, yeah. and like calling her illiterate and everything. And the guy he thinks should run the country. He vote. He, he yeah. supported Trump. He's not yeah. American, but he supported Trump. That guy cannot. Trump cannot spell tap. He spelled tap T A P P. Yeah, he literally did in a tweet. He misspells everything. Yeah, and so Hereby talk about a little bit of tap. Yeah, 
unprecedented. Like uh, and I mean, euphemism. He talked about the illiterate. Euphemism? I mean, the idea that that you could you have such a blind spot that you think it's fine to like challenge an actress. Like we need to make sure that actresses, you know, can spell, but presidents don't have to be able to. That's that's okay. Right. And I, tap is tap is the best one. I'm going to be using that one. Right? It's a three letter monosyllabic. <laughs> group, right? it, it shows up on preschool uh, papers, but uh, that, that's fantastic. <laughs> Um, I, I, you know, I, I mean, just uh, on on your point, Anna, the 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 philosophical underpinnings of free speech, right? If you go back and read Locke and read, um, you know, the the, uh, the sorry, I'm I'm at a loss for the particular document that I'm thinking of right now, off the top of my head. Um, the justification for free speech is that you counter bad ideas with more ide- with with more ideas with good ideas, right? That that the truth will drive out falsity. Um, that's the fundamental argument, and so. In cases in which it's very, very obvious that a speech is not intended to be part of a debate, but is in fact intended to be the sole word that's presented, then I, it, like I don't know where the sort of free speech justification comes from, right? Like, think back to my Ken Ham example. What makes that valuable is not uh, what makes it not valuable is the school says, you know, Liberty University brings in Ken Ham and says, look, Ken Ham is right, and we'll fire your teacher if he tells you otherwise, right? That's not free speech. That's not uh, pro-education. That, that's the worst possible situation. The, the way in which it's valuable is when the crackpot view is brought in, and then opposing views are brought in, and you're allowed to hash it out. And when you think about all of it, you go, oh, look, like at the end of the day, um, this position, while, you know, it might have cute little cartoons and a guy with an Australian accent, like cracking jokes, doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, and, and like, that's the goal that it's meant to serve. Yeah, yeah. So basically what Dave Rubin claims he's doing by letting all these crazies on his show, but like leaving them unchallenged or even leaving his audience without adequate information about who they are and why they are so controversial, like having a rape apologist that uses the term rape fugees to talk about why, uh, you know, Muslim migrants are awful. It's just... Yeah, what blows my mind is it's so obvious what he's doing. It's so (laughs) obvious that he just wants access to their millions of followers. He wants Milo has a huge audience. So lo and behold, what do you know? He wants to have Milo on the show, even though he doesn't agree with anything he says. He can keep that sort of arm's length. He doesn't say that he doesn't agree with anything. He he, he will say, to be on all fairness to Ruben, he will say he doesn't agree with Milo on everything. On everything, You and I don't agree on on, uh, some things. And and I remember I watched the interview. There was one thing that he he almost challenged for a brief second and then instantly caved. But I'll take him at his word that he doesn't agree with everything he says. But it's it's so obvious that he just wants access to that audience. And when you have uh, when you when you're going on Alex Jones for for uh, oh wait can we curse on your show yeah please do when you're going on fucking Alex Jones's show for fuck's sake and 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 and. Talking to uh, you know rape rape apologists and anti-feminists, just uh, people with horrible opinions, and you're not challenging them. You're doing you're making no effort. You're normalizing them. In fact, you're presenting them the best way they can be presented by removing. Doing his only fundamental value is 
uh, he, he, as he claims that uh, free speech, you know, people need to be heard. And coincidentally, who gets heard on his show are people with odious views with large followings. That's sure, but there's like the five normal people that he's had on. Let's not yeah, forget those. You, you, you want to talk about normalizing. I mean, it, it, let's not normalize Alex Jones here. He sat across from somebody who said, and this is damn near a direct quote, I have personally, it makes me sick when I think of the children that Hillary Clinton has personally butchered up and slaughtered. I, like, I, it, it, that is, uh, to, to sit opposite somebody who has accused Hillary Clinton of murdering children yeah. uh, is just... Uh, and, and no, oh no, no, clearly the real problem in this country is how, you know, the left has, uh, yeah. are you, are you kidding? And you know like, how he did that too, Andrew, is he's made a, he's made his, uh, it's, it's an interesting bit of psychology where Ruben has what he, what he tweets all day and what those kind of people tweet all day is they make fun of overreaction, what they think is overreaction. They make fun of people being sensitive. And when he announced he was going on Alex Jones, if you notice, I can't remember the exact tweet, but it was something like, you know, oh, get ready, uh, re- reactionary, or you know, something priming, like priming the fact that he was already undercutting anyone who was going to react with the Triggered. horror that they should react with, with the totally justified horror that he would go on uh, Alex Jones's show and and legitimize that guy. Uh, so he primes people to to be wary of any sort of reaction to something, like any sort thing. of outrage of any kind is wrong. And that's his overall value. He spends plenty of time being outraged about ads that are, you know, about multiculturalism (laughs) or diversity or feminism. Like, he's outraged about that. He's outraged about uh, every little thing that the left does. But he can't see that. That's he's, He's exactly the flip. Of what he's criticizing, except with most, with more sinister intent, like because he's propping up the white nationalists, the white genociders, the misogynists, the you know. So at least the SJWs, even though they go so far in their accusations of racism that they make it crazy. Absolutely, I'm not denying that, but I'm talking about actual social justice warriors, not simply anyone on the left that cares about racism or sexism. Right. Um, so those people, even though they're going crazy and you know just hurling the accusation of racism around, they still come from a place where maybe they want to protect uh, an underdog, right? They don't want to come from, they don't come from a place where they want to maintain superiority. So yes, they are kind of like mirror images, except one is distinctly more sinister than the other. Well, I think Thomas made a really good point on that earlier in the show, right? Everybody wants to think of themselves as the underdog, right? Like that's, that's, yeah, but there's right there's reality, culture. right? Yeah, no, right. But when when you are you know uh, expressing the viewpoint that uh, you know corresponds to the party in power, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty hard for you to be like, oh, I'm I'm so persecuted. So you know you you have to redefine what persecution means. I mean, I I have had I, I know Thomas has had this experience as well. Like I have had Christians tell me like, well, no, on it, but but uh, uh, of course, like you. You know, Christians are the the most persecuted uh, group in this country, and 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 you're like, what do you mean by that? And what oh, yeah. they mean by that are I things have like such a good example for you, <laughs> a great example for exactly what you're saying. Go uh, the <laughs> oh man, 
I don't want to be specific, but at, at, at some sort of family gathering, the, the, a sentence was heard of my, my Catholic family or their friends, I don't know who, that people won't call it St. Patrick's Day anymore. It's only called Irish Day. Because they hate Catholics so much. I have never heard anyone call it Irish Day, ever. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I've never heard that. Like, not even not even the most PC, like, trying to be super, like, Catholic-hating, whatever. I've never heard anybody say that. The idea that the, that's that's the level of persecution complex that some people can have. It's St. Patrick's Day. Everyone says it's St. Patrick's Day. You know, I was going to give the example. We, we did a show a couple of weeks ago on the um, Washington State decision regarding the Christian florist who all of a sudden refused to provide for a gay gay wedding. Yeah. And I went and found the like hashtag justice for Baronel tag on Twitter. Um, It, 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 the idea that uh, it is now, I mean, what, what we're, what these groups are talking about and, and saying with a straight face as this is how we're being oppressed, right? We no longer get to discriminate against gay people. Like I, it, I just, and, and seriously, like you ask sort of basic questions about like, um, like one of the arguments the other side was making was, well, you know, she didn't have problems selling them flowers for other occasions, uh, but, you know, she just didn't want to sell it to them for their wedding because that interfered with her Christian beliefs. And you're like, in what universe is I discriminate against you some of the time, like a good argument? Like, it, 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 and literally, like, that's what they're defining as persecution. I no longer get to discriminate against other people. Um, it, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing. Well, what about this whole white genocide business? It's so insane. They actually feel they're being victimized and, uh, what, eradicated through breeding. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not too familiar with that. Do you want to... Uh, uh, so it's a, a bunch of crazy people that think they're experiencing a genocide based on their skin color. And there's some evil conspiracy to bring a bunch of immigrants and people of different colors so that they can you know, have babies with their women and eventually just um, eradicate the white race. Yeah, that's true. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's happening? Like it's true that it's happening or are you coming I out? Don't, no, no, God, I'm just oh, being sarcastic. Oh, okay. <laughs> Harvard lawyer, expert yeah, Andrew yeah, Torres says. Yeah, yeah. It's a pro-white genocide. No, like I, it, I, that is the, I, I mean, that, that language is unchanged from history of, uh, you know, what it means to, 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 to be like the, the core of racism, right? Like yeah. it, it is, I mean, that's where that, that is the whole, you know, uh, mud people and, uh, you know, inventing in the 18th century categories of how much African American blood you had in your system to be, it did, it, it's, it's appalling. By the way, all of that predates uh, Origin of Species, too. I should uh, just – not that anybody needs to know that, uh, you know, listening to this podcast is probably buying into the idea that uh, uh, evolution caused uh, – you know, the study of evolution caused uh, – Racism? Uh, you know, 
We, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> clearly not. But I mean, even in a population level like the, the outbreak, because people were familiar with selective breeding prior to the origin of species, obviously, prior to, to having a theory of evolution, you still knew, you know, how to, you know, without having a, a coherent scientific theory, people knew how to grow crops and breed dogs and breed cattle and that sort of thing. Right, and people and, will use things to justify their hatred, oh, right? They use religion to justify racism as well. It doesn't mean that religion created racism. It's I think it's our innate tribalism that does that. But if you can find a really good way to um, justify your racism, then you're going to do it. Whether you use whatever pseudoscience or, you know, say that God intended us all to be separate. That's why he didn't... Um, that's why he made. That's why he made separate races. Otherwise, he would have made us all the same. So that's can I, why. Can I throw a bone to, to religion here? I do. I do want to say that um, people of religious faiths are, do find themselves on both sides of a of lot course. of oh, yeah, key yeah. social issues through history. And and indeed, like you know, when you when you look at things like the Trail of Tears and the Indian Re- Relocation Act of 1830, like the opposition uh, to um, essentially exterminating the five civilized tribes in, in this country um, mostly came from religious quarters. From, sure, you know, sure, but also the KKK was inspired by religion. So I am I'm as atheist, and I mean, I work for the scathing atheist, right? Like, I mean, I did, you, you, you will not find me, but I think it's fair to say, you know, that, that they're, when we point out that, um, you know, they, that religion can co-opt um, you know, our, our worst impulses that it, it can also co-opt some, some good impulses as well. I just, yeah, yeah. I felt the need sure. to bear there. Sure. Wanted that's to, fair. I wanted um, to throw this, the zero religious listeners to this podcast. Above, so. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's one dude out there that's thanking you. Yeah. Yeah. That's like when I start talking about the like I, on my show, I'll be like, there's gotta be like three Trump supporters that listen to my show. And sure enough, I've heard from maybe about three that listen to my <laughs> show. <laughs> well, yeah. you're, you're, you're down one after your interview with Bob yeah, Price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as an ex-Muslim, I keep attracting Trump supporters. I don't know uh, how to, how to, well, how yeah, to not do that. There's a weird thing going on there, huh? Like, I don't know that much about it, but was it Azra Nomani? Is that her name? Is yeah, she the one yeah. who... Yeah. De- declared she oh, voted for Trump and yeah. and, and basically, man, there, there's a weird uh, yeah. Is it an ex-Muslim a, a segment of the ex-Muslim uh, population? She's not that ex-Muslim though. She's a Muslim. Oh, you're right. Reformist. Okay, yeah. Um, but you, but yes, you're right. There are some uh, kind of Trump apologisty or right-wing apologisty uh, ex-Muslims as well, and there's some like ex-Muslims that are way to the left of me who think I'm an evil MRA. I talked with Ali Rizvi a bit about this, and, and he, he phrased it in a very positive way. That Just the fact that there are so many now different splinters, it shows that it's grown. Before, we were just so happy to discover each other that just being ex-Muslim was like, oh my gosh, amazing, there are more of us. But now there's so many of us, we can kind of divide on political lines. So Yeah. How do, you, how, do you, how do you feel about that? Um, like a right-wing... Ex-Muslims, I, I feel the yeah, same I, way. I, I mean, the splintering, like, I mean, you sort of just outlined kind of the two, you know, on the one hand, you know, you're, you're seeing those, uh, th- those right-wing voices, but on the other hand, you know, the splintering means that, you know, you're being recognized as a larger 
you know, community and not like a monolithic, uh, you know. Well, here's the thing. Um, the right-leaning ex-Muslims and Muslims will always have much more support in the Islam-critical scene. And they don't have to be even like Trump apologists, really. They just have to be the people that are more focused on criticizing the left. So, like, whereas if two years ago, I was very comfortable in criticizing the left because I felt very... Um, I guess very safe that I that I'm around a bunch of liberals as well, but now I really don't feel that. So so if yeah, you know, like I feel like racism is um, cool again and sexism is cool again in a way that it never has been that yeah, I have it's a seen. Really, it's a rough place to be, it, and it's something that uh, I almost understand when uh, a lot of I can't remember who it was, but I, it might have been the Jake Tapper interview on. Bill Maher, which was really excellent, actually, um, where they talked about mistakes the media made. They treated Hillary like she was going to be the next president, and they they they, so they, they graded on a it, curve yeah. for uh, Trump, like because they just yeah. didn't think he was going to be president. So they didn't really. Sometimes they didn't take him seriously enough to even have the reaction you should have been having, and that's a, not a great place to be. I prefer, uh, like you, I, I totally agree. I would rather be in a position in this country anyway, where the left is in power and I get to criticize the left when I disagree with them, which is all the time. Like it's, I, I don't think of any course. movement is all right on everything. Um, but it, it's, it's when you're in a situation where, uh, and again, this is very us centric, so I apologize, but where a clown is running your country, that just an absolutely unprecedented clown, just a, just a demonstrably, I mean, I mean, it's, you can't, it's impossible to keep in one's brain all of the reasons why <laughs> It really why Trump is. is. It really is. And it that really is. benefits from that, by yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely for sure. benefits from people not being able to just keep track of how many ways he is an idiot, like just, <laughs> just an absolutely outrageous moron. Tweeting that Obama wiretapped him and misspelling tap in the process. I mean, this is just. It's uh, you would you would if you told the founding fathers about this, they would just have a heart attack. They would clutch their heart and just, uh, just die. And he like lied about he lied about it in a hearing about him lying on Twitter. Like he lied on Twitter. Yeah. As yeah, and then the guy that's exactly he tweeted Comey uh, says this uh, says there was no oh, oh that's what it was Comey. I think this is what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Comey says it. the Russians did not affect the election. And then they asked him, I think it was Comey or was it the other guy? They asked him, uh, is, is this tweet accurate? Like in real time, yeah. he's like, I would not say that that's accurate. Because he said, he, he answered that they didn't hack any votes, but that's not the same as saying they had no effect yeah. on the election. But, but what I was going to say with this is uh, you need to make very clear, and I think a big mistake that a lot of people are making is there are a lot of people who, who are uncomfortable with always agreeing with one side or or they like to call out the left because they want the left to be better like like a Noam Chomsky sort of attitude of I'm gonna I'm gonna criticize everybody I'm gonna criticize who I think uh, I ought to be right more and I can respect that I can respect wanting to call out your side especially you know I actually I, I do yeah, respect but that, that a lot that However, comes it's, with it's demonstrating dependent. that it's your side right like it if does, there's and, and, no and you indication can't do it at the cost of putting a fucking clown into power you can't <laughs> <Yeah>. that's not <laughs> worth it like it's it's right. you, so so you have to be very careful and a lot of people 
we're not careful. A lot of people were just like, well, yeah, but look at Hillary was this. or like, It's like, no, no, no. There is no comparison. Like there, there is absolutely no absolutely comparison. Absolutely none. And look, I mean, just being of Muslim background, whereas, you know, Asra Namani and other uh, ex-Muslims who do lean a bit more right than me, they criticize... Um, criticize hijabs and things like that for and the left for kind of glorifying this misogyny right which is great i'm completely on board with them i am a huge critic of hijab and niqab myself as i've been on your show once before to do that but when you vote in when you're writing articles about how you're the muslim trump voter you really can't do that with any moral high ground. Like, not only did Asra vote for Trump, but she's an active apologist for every horrible misogynistic thing. Oh, so she has, she's not backing down at all? No, in fact, she, you know, she's all like, a, it's, it was all locker room talk. And then she's all like the left is engaging oh, in cyber jihad against Trump. Cyber fucking jihad. This, what, what does that mean? I don't know what that even <laughs> That means like people are making fun of him on on Twitter. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I am engaging in cyber jihad. Then. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> it was definitely, it was definitely, I'm, I was glad that that, that uh, that's a uniquely liberal phenomenon against Trump. I mean, you, you, you certainly couldn't find any tweets hostile to Barack Obama. Like, no. No, <laughs> no, definitely. Not. Nobody was ever, ever cyber hostile jihad. to Barack Obama. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, then, I, I shouldn't have been surprised that Azra Namani is sticking to her guns because when I interviewed Robert Price, Trump supporter on my show, I, I actually went into it <laughs> thinking, oh, okay, cool. I went into it thinking, well, there's no way he's, I mean, there's no way he could be happy with how this is going. Right? Yeah, right. I went think, <laughs> sure, maybe he supported him, but, but, you know, if I ask him about all this stuff that he's, you know, these promises he's directly not keeping up to and, and all this stuff, like, he's got to say, like, yeah, well, you know, maybe in the future or something. Nope. Every party line, like everything, the just textbook Trump defense. Everything is fine. He's doing everything right. And and, and look, this is this is a now. this is a real asymmetry because if you look at people who supported Barack Obama mm-hmm. in two thousand and eight, and you look at interviews that are on the record, or you watch old uh, Keith Olbermann countdown episodes or Rachel Maddow at the time, right in two thousand nine, two thousand and ten, and you ask those people, so how do you think Barack Obama is doing? Like every single one of them would say, like, well, uh, it's pretty obvious that like his lack of executive experience yeah. has come into play here with respect. To how healthcare got passed, right? Like it took so much longer. It, there were there were all. I mean, you know, you you went through the history of it. Uh, right. I thought it was I passed in the dead of night before <laughs> anybody could read it. Like the Republicans just told me it was. Right. <laughs> uh, but but it took like years. <laughs> yeah. No. And and you know, and there were repeated efforts of and repeated statements of you know we're going to make sure that we get some Republican votes. And I, it, it was just and and you, and when you talk to liberals, like they did not live. In this alternate universe, where you know, oh yeah, well, no, healthcare is totally passed smoothly, and it, it, you know, it, we always meant for it to be this way. Like, no, we were yeah. legitimately critical of what the president was doing. Now, contrast that. Suppose you agree with the uh, proposed Muslim ban, right? The the mm-hmm. executive order that's now been revised that now only applies to six uh, nations um, that you know we've covered on multiple episodes of the show. <laughs> um, you you have to admit, like if 
if you are, if you want to see that passed, you have to concede that the incompetence and uh, duplicity of the Trump administration is the reason that it has now been blocked by the courts. No, right? liberal like, activist judge, it, it, liberal it, activist it, judge, la, 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 la. It is clear, like you read the opinion, you know, we have linked this multiple times, you know, in our show. Oh, notes this, and on this is the greatest thing about having a lawyer on your show, by the way, I know it's fantastic because he, he has these magical things called actual documents that tell you, because I, I just read the news, like what people right, tell right, me right, the right. document says. Andrew's like, well, why don't I just look at the actual court opinion? And it's, it's incredible. It blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, and, and and what the courts have said now twice, right? Like what, what the Ninth Circuit said that that uh, led to uh, Trump revising the executive order in the first place, and what the uh, district court uh, uh, the district courts in both Hawaii and Maryland have have said is um, essentially that that there is now a viable First Amendment argument against the revised executive order. Something I I by the way didn't think was likely at the outset of this, right? Like when we covered this a year ago. And and you said to you know, and Thomas asked me, uh, you know, can Trump actually ban uh, immigration into this country of of Muslims? Uh, the answer was, yeah, probably he can. Right? Like, there's mm-hmm. a statute eight. 8 U.S.C. 1152A, no, 1152F, uh, 1182F. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, there's an 82. I know there's an 82. Yeah, it's 8 U.S.C. 1182F that gives him the power to do that. But because Trump said in public so often, oh, yeah, well, we're doing this to get rid of the Muslims. And, like, we went to Giuliani and said, oh, you're going to help us get rid of the Muslims, right? And what what this recent uh, uh, court decision just, just did in Hawaii was actually quoted Trump from the debate. Right in which he was asked the question. This was after mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Mike Pence's, you know, disavowed the Muslim ban in his vice presidential debate. In that, you know, fantastic display where Mike Pence was like, "Oh come on, our presidential candidate does not honestly believe the things he said." <laughs> right, and then and then the moderator said, "Well, so, so are you crazy. still going to have the Muslim ban?" And Trump says. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're definitely still going to have the Muslim ban. We're just calling it extreme. The same, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, what that does is that helps that 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 it allowed the ACLU. He can't help himself. He yeah. can't because he can't be wrong. He can't yeah. sit there and say, uh, you know, uh, it's not going to be a Muslim ban. That was too far. We'll do something that will be just as effective, uh, but we'll find a, a better way to do it. He can't do that. He cannot that's do that. All he, he has to he say. That's all he has to okay, say. Okay, let me let me circle this back to free speech. So basically, things like the Muslim ban and you know, stripping women of uh, reproductive rights and reintroducing anti-LGBT laws, bathroom bills, and all kinds of bullshit. I feel like the left is always portrayed as the only censorious, anti-free speech, anti-freedom kind of, just because on campus, yes, there are some issues where uh, there's a riotous protests and people shout people down, but this is not comparable, I feel, at all all to, you know, Republican lawmakers introduce bills to curb protesting in at least 18 states, or there was this, um, this well, Republican not to guy. Mention, we haven't even talked about the president of the United States attacking journalistic freedom. Right, I mean, that, exactly. Nothing's more fundamental free speech than freedom of the press. And, and, and he said, he says, you shouldn't be allowed to use anonymous sources. Shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, he yeah. Says. <laughs> he said the- that the Supreme Court should overturn New York Times v. Sullivan, make it easier for public officials to sue journalists for libel, um, which is, you know, directly intended to chill the press into attacking 
elected officials, right? It, it, it is. In yeah. all of these examples, whenever I encounter anybody on the yammering right who says, well, it's the left who's in, I say, okay, let's start listing them. Okay, give me your top five of ways in which the left has stifled free speech. And it's always the stupidest shit. It's always like, well, this guy on Twitter once said, and it's like, okay, well, let's weigh all of those examples. Yeah. You know, your um, uh, people at a at a university, like, got mad at a speaker and disinvited somebody, and this guy got angry on Twitter, and this guy's Facebook account was blocked. And let's weigh that against actual legislation right. that's been passed by the right. 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 And, and even in terms of, sorry, even in terms of protesters, there was a Michigan Republican who suggested like a Kent State thing would be oh the solution. And, and yeah, Price and, my, and on, Robert on, Price parroted <laughs> that shit, yeah, yeah, on my show. It, right, so it, for it, people it, listening, Kent State University students were shot and killed by the Ohio National Guard in May 1970. Praising Kent State is like praising 9-11. I mean, it literally is the same thing. It is praising killing people for their beliefs. I, it, 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 I cannot I, – it, it, that was a fall out of my chair moment when, when I heard somebody make that comparison. Right. So he uh, it, said, violent protesters who shut down free speech, time for another Kent State perhaps. One bullet stops a lot of thuggery. Um, it, you, you have and still- there's this idea <laughs> – there's this idea, and it goes with the Berkeley protest with Milo, too. The people – I talked to a Berkeley student. I've talked to actually two now, uh, incidentally, about this thing. It's not Berkeley students who are doing this. It's a group right. of anarchists who go and want to cause shit. And the idea – there's this this sort of um, false assumption that if not literally 100 percent of people on your side act perfectly at all times, then your cause is illegitimate. Mm-hmm. Like that's the claim. Like if if I can find, but meanwhile the, prevent, people, the president know, on their yeah, side exactly. can act crazy. Just ignore that. But if I, you, you <laughs> know, how few people it takes to make a protest turn violent. It takes like seven people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nothing. But even then, though, there was a person who was shot at the pro at, at one of the Milo protests, and he. Oh, it turned out to be by, by the other side, right? It turned out to be a guy who was a Milo fan who had been messaging Milo uh, for an autograph, and he was a Trump supporter. And the victim was there to protest the Milo yeah. stuff, according to whatever articles I've I've seen Lone on Wolf. this. Lone Wolf, um, yeah, you just explain that away. That doesn't count. right. But that he didn't want to press charges. He would rather call for dialogue and restorative justice than criminal charges. Oh. So, so I mean, there are people that are trying to get dialogue happening even after they're shot. There's Republican lawmakers that are suggesting to shoot protesters. So, I mean— I, And guess what? There's a lot of idiots on my side, on any side of this yeah. issue. It's not as though every side is perfect. There's Except they idiots. have the president who's the fucking idiot. So that is a bit more. We don't know. That's the difference. We didn't. We didn't elect our idiots to run the fucking country. Uh, Right. Right. So how how do people think that you know protesters at Berkeley are worse than Donald Trump stripping everyone of rights and 
I, I, it just boggles it, my mind. Even his views uh, on burning the American flag, if they do, there must be consequences, perhaps loss of citizenship or a year in jail. Why isn't Ruben talking at all about this when he cares yeah. about free speech so much? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, let's let's go back to again. I mean, uh, I I encourage the the technique of. Uh, ask for the harms on both sides and weigh them out. Like right now, there are 18 states that are weighing different measures that have bills that have been proposed and introduced in state legislatures that would, to varying degrees, criminalize protests, including three states I know of, maybe more, uh, in which they want to remove from the state list of crimes vehicular homicide if you run over somebody who is engaged in the kinds of like Black Lives Matter, you know, protests where they blocked highways and that sort of thing, right? Like that's literally saying we want you to kill protesters. Now, again, I I, I kind of think if you're pro-free speech that you might, you might think, hmm, maybe the biggest target of my ire should be the people who want to kill people who disagree with me. But they'll quote some crazy person on campus saying kill all white people who's probably right, but the difference is this is a bill that's passed the state legislature. Right, right, in, right, uh, right. And, and, and you know Yeah, how far has the kill all white people bill gone in the <laughs> legislature? And also in terms of like, you know, how they say that leftists, you know, try to censor professors that don't um, abide by their crazy SJW rules. There was a professor uh, who admittedly might be crazy or whatever. He said something about all I want for Christmas is white genocide on Twitter, like it was a joke. <laughs> um, and white genocide, as we discussed, isn't really a genocide. It's just like mixed race babies. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I covered a story. I It was so funny because back the one of the ways I got kind of more in touch with this is I had a listener who would chirp at me these kind of things and and you know I would I, I wasn't too terribly interested in it. But one time I decided, you know what, I'm gonna look at all these things he's tweeted me. And I looked at three stories that were and I just the last three he sent me, I did no selection of any kind on this about this so-called like free speech is is being killed by the the left that those kind of stories. All three of them happened to be completely fucking fabricated. Like they were exaggerated from nothing. And one of them was a professor who claimed he was uh, put on leave for expressing like anti-PC opinions or something like that. And I'd have to go back to dig up the examples, but the university published all the exchanges, the emails, because this guy was going making the media rounds because this sells. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This sells like crazy. He was making media rounds. And this, uh, the, 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 the university, uh, the chairperson published emails where the, the, the person was like, hey, hey, dude, who's ta- professor who's taking leave, I thought you told me you needed this time for your family or something. What, what are you, why are you going around saying we put you on leave for this? This is not accurate. I thought, do you, so he's like, do you not need this leave time then? Because you, you don't have to take it. And they published these emails. Doesn't matter. The guy was, oh, yeah, don't, oh, just a misunderstanding, I, whatever. He's knowingly going around yeah. misrepresenting what's happening to fit this narrative because people love it. Like, they Well, eat it does it up. happen. Like, it has happened. But yes, I mean, can we just get some acknowledgement of the really insane stripping of rights that's going on on the right? Like, I don't understand this uh, lack of proportion 
this is why it just gets me really, really upset because, yeah, I'm happy to acknowledge the flaws of the left, but you have to see that what's going on on the right right now is really troubling. And that's why I think that the uh, kind of let's criticize our own side stuff can can be a little less at the moment. It doesn't have to be eliminated, but like we, uh, especially people of Muslim background, right? Like there are many people that are threatening our very existence in, in places like the US, right? So just to be, just to travel, just to have our families travel, these are things that are being taken away Um, people attacking hate crimes just based on the skin color. You don't even have to be Muslim. So, so how do we then talk about the left, you know, being shitty and glorifying hijabs only? Like, I'm happy to talk about that, but I'm also going to talk about the problems of the right. So I just don't understand the people that focus, focus, focus on the left at this point. Yeah, I, I think I would be happy just for false equivalence right now. Like, it's not, right? Like, it, <laughs> the, the left is not as bad as the right. But if if people like, you know, Dave Rubin spent 50% of their time, you know, attacking, uh, you know, Goldschmidt's University for their speech codes and 50% of their time pointing out that, you know, Liberty University only invites hardcore fundamentalists and will kick you out if you but watch a PG-13 movie. But he's allying with Prager but, you, like with, uh, you know, oh. atheist-hating, crazy. <laughs> homophobe Dennis Prager. Yeah, he's taking advantage of it. He's selling out to people who want to hear a self-hating liberal, a quote-unquote liberal. He's not a liberal. He's a libertarian, essentially. (laughs) But what, what, what is so funny is that someone called his podcast, I think it was in a news story, they said like, uh, right such and such and Ruben, a right wing outlet. Yeah. And he said, oh, I'm not right wing. And, and my response is like, y- you might not be right wing, <laughs> but you are a right wing outlet. Like yeah. you can I'll, I'm you know, I'll take his word. If he's a libertarian, uh, he, he you know, he believes in gay marriage. He believes in some things that aren't right wing. Fine. Some You're things a right, that are right wing outlet, though. You when you have right winger after right winger after right winger, Trump supporter after Trump supporter, you're a right wing outlet. It doesn't matter what you believe. If that's what you're putting out and you're gaining, you're giving these people access to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of, uh, of your audience. Yeah. You're a right wing outlet. Yeah. And, and let me be clear, like you don't have, Dave Urban has no obligation to have, uh, you know, us on his show or something like that. Like you can have whomever you want on your show. Just be uh, honest about just, it. But just, don't just, say yeah, that like, left, left-leaning people refuse to come on my show. That's why I have so few, because that's right. what he goes around saying. That's not yeah. at all true. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, and then he, then he puts out a <laughs> wish list of liberals that he will talk to. And it's like, it's, it's yeah. Everybody it's like with FDR. It, yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like the most famous, like some you know, just the most famous. Uh, Barack Obama. Uh, I'll talk to Clinton. I'll talk <laughs> like just the most famous people that have the hugest following. Which you know, I get it. I get that you want to have people with big followings. I get that you're not going to have any random person on. But at a certain point, when you're battling, when when you're going that hard on a given ideology, I think you kind of have a responsibility to have somebody on who's just willing to come on, with, which there are plenty of examples. What like about you, like me, or anybody? the ideological purity tests of the left, right? Like people are always like, oh, the left, you know, they're always like, you know, eat their own or whatever. But look at yeah. what's happening with Tommy Lahren right now. Um, I don't know if you know who she is, but she's a, like a conservative on one of— That example is so good for what we're talking about that I'm <laughs> almost embarrassed to even bring it up. Like, it's too easy. Like, we, we should, it's just a complete layup of an example for everything we're talking about. <laughs> it's someone on the right 
who lost their job because they expressed a view that the right didn't agree with. It's a, it's, yep. it's completely obvious. Right. Right. We should have, we should have been talking about that from the beginning. You're totally right. <laughs> and also, you know, they'll like criticize movements like grab your wallet and Trump will scream, don't be mean to my daughter Ivanka Nordstrom. And meanwhile, they're outraged about Super Bowl ads. They're boycotting Beauty and the Beast. They're boycotting Hamilton. They're boycotting Hawaii. Like, l- let's not pretend. I'm boycotting the moon uh, <laughs> and other, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the boycotting Hawaii was particularly hilarious. I mean, it just yeah. illustrates a, a complete lack of understanding about how our government works. In particular, I like that. Well, that, as soon as you take away those tourism dollars, they won't be able to pay those liberal activist judges, Andrew. That's how it works. And also, roughly, to bring this all back to, 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 to free speech, uh, sort of, uh, it roughly Two-thirds of the people with, you know, boycott Hawaii tweets have some kind of like, I'm pro-First Amendment in their Twitter profile, not understanding that the reason that the District Court of Hawaii blocked the executive order was on First Amendment grounds, right? Like the First Amendment prohibits the government from uh, passing legislation, or in this case, issuing an executive order on the basis of uh, religious animus that is is intended to target uh, a particular uh, religious group. And the only That was one of my favorite things that I saw on Twitter (laughs) with you, Andrew, because you had a tweet that was yeah, this this violates potentially the First Amendment. Someone's like, "What does the CEO have to do with free speech?" You're like, uh, "There's there's uh, there's some more things in the First there's Amendment. There's three more clauses. In that. <laughs> a couple more things." But somehow that the establishment and free exercise clauses don't uh, don't percolate up at that level. <laughs> yeah. So can we have like a sum up kind of statement from you, Andrew, uh, Mr. Harvard lawyer? What do you think? SJWs or um, right wing lawmakers? Summary that booby scene. <laughs> that yeah. scene with the booby. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, right. The answer is I cannot come up with. I, it, I I would welcome you know tweet at us at Open Args, right? Like if anybody can find an example of a law that passed from the left that restricts freedom of speech, uh, I, I I'd love to see. I, I literally can't come up with examples. The only things that I can even uh, remotely come close to are uh, going back to the 1980s when there was sort of a weird alliance between the hard conservative right and the anti-pornography feminists like Andrea Dworkin mm. or uh, like the uh, 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 Tipper Gore and um, the you know concerned Washington mothers or whatever which which kind of had a conservative democratic uh, component to it you know uh, but but I can't find anything from you know what you would think of as the left from the like a liberal wing of the Democratic Party uh, in any you know liberal state where they control the legislature that that remotely restricts free speech. Like it, it that's just not what liberalism is about. Um, so uh, and and all of the examples that uh, I encounter on the right in criticizing leftists as being anti-free speech uh, wind up being you know not social behaviors rather than laws. And in those cases, uh, you know, as we've pointed out with the, you know, Titanic and, and whatever, like the right is far more guilty than the left in, in terms of having isolating social codes in their little enclaves. So yeah, uh, it's garbage. It's complete. It's a, it's a, it's <laughs> completely false. 
<laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, so basically I think we can agree that we do acknowledge there are some crazy peeps on the left, and we're happy to do that. But we can't do it at the cost of ignoring what, what the lawmakers and uh, President Trump are, are doing constantly in our face so many times that it's hard to keep track of. Uh, so, so that's really my only gripe. I'm happy to, to talk about the loud, shouty, lefty students yelling at Jordan Peterson, which they shouldn't have done. But I really just don't think it's comparable. That's all. I yeah, know. and look, like we we take on our own. Uh, you know, we it, uh, unlike other folks, we're, we're happy to say we have a, a pretty left leaning show, um, but we take on our own all the time on that show, yeah. right? Like I, I got thousands of pieces of, of hate mail uh, when we did an episode that debunked the, you know, Jill Stein recount efforts oh, that man. were very clearly a scam. It was mm. a fundraising scam by the Green yeah. Party. That was that, liberal nonsense. Yeah, mm-hmm. that took advantage of well-meaning people on the left who really were sort of clinging to this hope of, uh, you know, oh, we're going to overturn the election and if I give money to Jill Stein, it'll make can happen, um, and 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 the reason we took that on was because um, that was a real that was a real problem. Like she raised seven and a half million dollars off of those people, and you know we wanted to make sure we got out there and did our part of saying, um, please do not give this con woman money. Um, so yeah, like uh, I think all of us are happy to call out the excesses of the left uh, when they are there and when they pose a danger to people, uh, but that just isn't the overall ca- like like Thomas and I both have that like we both used to be you know kind of like the most conservative people uh, you know among you know in the Democratic Party right like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm used to I enjoy fighting with liberals yeah right? yeah like, I mean that's what I, I'm not used to this shift in my own politics yet because right? yeah. till last year I was all like you know heavily criticizing the left but right now I'm Absolutely. like Wait, wait a minute. Like it has to. It goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's context dependent. Yeah, you know, exactly. I, I would. I don't. You know, I, I'm sorry to use a, a, a Nazi Germany example, but the, but like when when Hitler's going into power, you don't want to quibble about your minor differences in like you, oh, domestic and someone's uh, gonna policy call you. or something. Like yeah. a hyperbolic, okay. crazy forget, leftist. Forget that. Okay, but no, okay, no, 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 no. Let when me counter Sauron that. One second. Power. One second. <laughs> you, you, you know, Tim the, the Lord Tool of the Rings. Man. Is that better? You know Tim the Toolman Taylor, Tim Allen. Oh, yeah. He yeah. went on some show talking about how being a conservative <laughs> yeah. in Hollywood is like living in 1930s well, Germany. And some other conservative like writer said it's like wearing a Make America Great Again hat is like wearing the yellow star. What is wrong yeah. with these people? Yeah, it's just like years ago when uh, when uh uh who's the guy oh shit who's the guy that ruben just talked to that had the talk show i always forget his name on fox news that you know the mormon guy what's his name glenn, glenn beck, beck. Mm. it's just like when glenn beck was calling out Part of the new he, center he decided to all of a sudden call out people for using nazi references and then i think it might have been on the daily show they played like 17 clips of him saying <laughs> like obama was you know who else did this the nazis like just over and over <laughs> like he constantly made nazi references to obama. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I could switch to Lord of the Rings. You know, like if if the minute Sauron's in power, it's time for Gondor to stop quibbling over minor, like you know, <laughs> policy differences or something like that. May is that better? Is that more? I can't. Who's more evil, Hitler or Sauron? I don't know. We'll have to let the nerds decide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hitler nerds out there. 
<laughs> History nerd slash uh, Lord of the Rings nerd. Uh, but also, okay, one last thing I'm going to say before I go is that it's often not phrased as a censorious, not tolerant of dissenting opinions kind of argument when, say, like someone will rip a hijab off. But I really do think that it is similar to, like, say, a Berkeley protester pulling a Make America Great Again yeah, hat I don't, off. Yeah, I don't right? agree with that. Yeah, I don't agree with doing stuff like that. I mean, it's it's it, absolutely. Again, I don't call agree out, either. Call out the left when they're wrong. I don't agree with you throwing eggs at people or doing any of the crap where you see people have done to Trump supporters. I don't agree yeah, with that. I yeah, didn't yeah. agree with punching punching the Nazi. I don't agree with that. Yeah. Call the left out from the left. Like that. That's the thing. Like, do you do you okay, just look at platform to platform? I mean, that's the big thing that I did, even with the Trump Hillary election, which was not even close. Stop this false equivalence. Just look at Republican X versus Democrat X. Whose platform do you want running the country? And it's it's not even close. I mean, the Republican platform, as we're seeing now, is a disaster. But people just are lose their minds when they think that you know when they've been fed this narrative that one side is going after free speech. People really lose their minds, or they're just cynically kind of. Playing into that, and they're 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 secretly Republican, which right, might actually right. Be, there, there's a, there's a whole crew there's, there's of those stealth yeah. right wingers out right now. Too embarrassed yep. to say they're on the right, but but they will yep. they will defend the right on everything and shit on the left for everything. So yeah. Anyways, guys, it was it, it flew by. It was such a pleasure talking to you both. You'll have to come back and do this again. And yeah. Do you mind if I uh, you know I. Pretty pretty relevant news. Do you mind if I kind of uh, let people know what what I'm going to be doing? In Absolutely. A few months? What will you be doing, Thomas? So uh, through some miracle stroke of luck that did not involve, by the way, Ruben seeking this out in any way, shape, or form, I will be speaking to Dave Ruben at a conference <laughs> uh, September 30th. Uh, it's called Myth Information. Just Google that Myth Information. Uh, I think this is important. Uh, somehow I in. By all, for all I know, I feel like this is going to get undone somehow, but no, it's public. I can announce it. <laughs> I'm going to be talking to, to Dave Rubin, and it, it'll be a chance to really try to bring some of these arguments up to the man himself, uh, something that I've been dying to do, something that a lot of us have been wanting to do. So Do a good job, please. please. Don't. Oh, oh, don't worry. Don't suck I, up. <laughs> don't be all like, oh, yeah, you're such a huge fan all well, of a sudden. I just, what I want to say, though, to, to your audience and to anybody, uh, you know, who uh, if you can support that, let go or 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 buy the the um, the viewing ticket or anything you can, because honestly, I feel really grateful. They're taking a bit of a chance, like with me, I think. I mean, they're, they're they've been willing to let me do this and to, you know, put their kind of money behind someone who's not as well known as Ruben. A and, nobody, and a, as I first yeah, exactly, introduced really. you. <laughs> really a nobody. I, and, and I, I, so if anyone, you know, if you, if you can make it out, I would really appreciate it if you can support it or, or do the live viewing. Uh, it's going to be, I think it'll be an important conversation. It's, it's definitely going to be inspired by, by, uh, Ina for sure. The work you've been doing, Andrew, absolutely the work he's been doing as well. It's, it's, I'm, I'm hoping to do a good job of summarizing and presenting the arguments that we all our little kind of group of, of resistance to this narrative have been putting out there and, and get it more seen. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, but that's what I'm going to try to do. Awesome. We're all rooting for you, and uh, I look forward to it. 
I want to see what happens. I hope Ruben doesn't cancel upon hearing that uh, there was a <laughs> cuck on the totally regressive show who announced that he would be talking to Ruben. So uh, yeah. hopefully this happens. And hey, hopefully- his people apparently are, have agreed. It's uh, it's all it's happening. So I don't know. Maybe they didn't. You know, maybe they didn't vet me. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> all right. If well, they, if they if they back out. Boy, we will have like so much precious snowflake to. Uh... <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, I mean, surely you wouldn't back out of a conversation like this. Otherwise, you'd be a regressive cuck snowflake, right? Isn't that? Can we all agree that, <laughs> that if you only back works? Out, that only works one way. I'm afraid. You're right. Well, look, we could try. We can. We can. We only can try. try. <laughs> all right. Well, Andrew, um, is there anything that you wanted to mention before? We end yeah, the conversation? I would, I, I would, I thank you very much for having me on. And I would just like to plug our show again, which is opening arguments. Um, so if you like this kind of thing, then you will probably like that kind of thing. It's a you know, sort of lefty leaning show where we tackle legal issues. And the idea really is to take um, stories that are important, that have a legal component to them, uh, that are just getting misrepresented and kind of help you understand that. So, you know, I mean, one of the things that somebody sent me earlier today was they're watching the uh, Gorsuch nomination hearings. And, you know, when the questions came up about Chevron deference, they were like, I know what that means. Thanks to your show. And uh, like, that was really, really cool to, to, to hear. So um, that's my plug for my show. <laughs> awesome. You guys are doing great stuff. So keep it up. And thanks uh, very much. You are as well. I'm so yeah, jealous. You absolutely. got to of the guests that you've been lining up. It's incredible. <laughs> you've not been us, having not some us pre- included. <laughs> <laughs> Until us, you, you totally, you were on a roll and then, you, you know, well, oh well. And then, no, yeah. I'm so excited <laughs> to have you both on. No, you guys are awesome. So no, it was a pleasure. Definitely. Thank you. All right. We'll talk again. You take care, guys. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Polite Conversations. You can support this podcast by sharing the shit out of it, making some noise about it, or contributing via Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. No Ian mangoes. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at nice mangoes. If you want to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly Patreon one, you can do so via PayPal. NiceMangoes.blog at gmail.com. Remember, no Ian mangoes. If you've got an interesting story and would potentially like to be a guest, you can email me there too. A special thanks to Dylan Beck for theme music, sound, and production help.